Well, some of you may be pleased to hear this, um, and those that are probably very pleased to hear this probably aren't here this morning, but today is the last message called Right on the Money. Oh, I am so glad to hear that you're sad about that. And if you are rejoicing that this is the last time I'm going to talk about your money, um, just don't tell me that. It will hurt my feelings, okay? Um, my role as your pastor is simple, yet complex, but simply I want to take the Word of God, I want to bring it to you because I believe it is the best way to live. And you would never want me to shy away from teaching you how to be a, bear, a, a better spouse, a better parent, a better follower of Jesus. And one of those areas is how to do right with our money. The Bible has a lot to say about our money. And, uh, and in the three years that I've been your pastor, I've never taken a, a, this amount of time to really teach on our money. And so uh, I don't even know what part I am on this, but it's, I don't know, six, part six, six. This is part six, and uh, uh, you'll be, and please tell your friends that didn't come today that I'm, I'm done after today. They can come back, all right? They can come back. And uh, we, so we've talked a lot about a lot of things. We talked about the tithe, and uh, tithe means a tenth, bringing the first full 10% of our full income to the Lord, and, uh, and when we give the first fruits that he blesses the rest, he redeems the rest, I believe that 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 living on 90% blessed is a better than 100% cursed because there's only two things you can do with the tithe. You can bring it or you can steal it because it belongs to the Lord. And, uh, and, and I hope that over the last five weeks, today being the sixth week, I hope that um, as your pastor you have not felt like, oh man, he has been trying to just pull the tithe out of me. Uh, he, has, he has preached this so harshly. I hope that it has maybe brought some new light to the area of generosity and what God says about it, not what some preacher is trying to like do. I, I do not receive a percentage of what you give, so I have, I have no personal gain in, in you learning to be a tither. Um, my personal salary is set by the board of this church, and uh, of which that I leave the room and they discuss it. I literally have no say. Uh, that's not why I do this. If I, if I wanted to be, <laughs> if I wanted to be, Wealthy by the world's standards, uh, let me tell you, I would have kept my previous job, okay? Um, I, I do this because it is the call of my life, and, uh, and in doing so, um, I have been a tither since I was 18 years old. Uh, I believe in this principle. Again, New Life Church believes in the principle so much that we'll give 10% of all we receive, and we'll give it away to missions. And so, so we've talked about all of these things, and I, my hope is really that you've heard the heart of God, not just my heart, but that you've heard the heart of God about generosity, about our money, and, uh, and that you hear the heart of it, and that I'm not being this very, like, we, we even said, like, uh, we're not legalistic about it, because guess what? God's not legalistic about it, okay? Uh, but so today, here's the question. Am I generous? Am I generous? Uh, in John chapter 12, there's this beautiful story. This is what it says in the first verse. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. You remember that story? Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, as you would do if he raised your family member from the dead. And Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining 
at the table with him. Can I just pause for a moment? I mean, how cool would it be? How cool would it be to be reclining at the table with the Lord? Like just chilling, just talking. That's awesome. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, which was an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Because it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because Judas was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus had a traveling ministry and uh, Jesus, they took an offering and people gave offerings to Jesus' ministry. Of, Of his 12 disciples, he put Judas He was the treasurer of the ministry. And so he sees Mary give this extravagant gift. Um, Just imagine if you had one year's salary in a bottle and in the matter of minutes poured it out. And and, and it was gone. That's essentially what Mary did. And and so uh, there's, there's really... Two hearts on display in this passage of Scripture. There's two hearts on display. There's a heart of generosity that Mary was willing to pour out this perfume as this act of worship and anointing for Jesus. And then the second heart is a selfish heart where Judas says, that could have been sold and given to the poor, of which Jesus said, well, the poor will always be with you, but I will not be. And there's one thing that reveals which heart we have, whether we have a generous heart or a selfish heart. And the thing that revealed it here with Mary and, and with Judas is giving. Giving reveals our heart. Now, so, so there is an enemy to generosity. The enemy of generosity is the first thing I want to tell you today is the enemy of generosity. And the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Selfishness is the enemy of generosity. And uh, I I heard this a really kind of funny way to remember this. If you want to remember that uh, generosity, uh, uh, God starts with G. Generosity starts with G. Uh, uh, Selfishness starts with S. You see where I'm going here. <laughs> Satan starts with S. So if you ever need to remember, should I be generous or should I be selfish? <laughs> Which camp do you want to serve? <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's the thing. We are all born selfish. Born again generous. Uh, when Jenny and, I, Jenny and I got married in 2007... October 20th, 2007, and then uh, 10 months to the day later, 10 months, 
10 months. Our twins, Aiden and Joel, our identical twin boys, uh, who are now 14, woo, uh, were born on August 20th, 2008, 10 months after we were married. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to see when you have a child uh, how they naturally are born with some tendencies, as we all were. Uh, and, and maybe if you're a parent, and especially a parent of more than one child, uh, we now have three boys, uh, there has been a time in your life when from the other room you hear the word that they learn how to pronounce so eloquently, mine! That's mine, right? And then, and then we don't have to teach kids this. We are born selfish, born again generous. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. And it was the selfish attitude of Jesus that asked the question, why wasn't this given to the poor? We could have sold that perfume a, a, a year's wages and we could have helped the poor. What I have noticed is this. Whenever somebody does something expensive for the Lord, the critics say, you could have helped the poor. You could have fed hungry people. Every time someone does something expensive for Jesus, that's the critical thought. You could have helped poor people. Of course you could. For 10 minutes, maybe. For a day, maybe. I don't know. But that's the outcry to generosity. And uh, we actually just experienced this last Sunday. Last Sunday, there was a Super Bowl commercial that helped present Jesus to people. And it was this very, very, I think, inspiring commercial. And the theme was, he gets us. And I, I mean, I was like, it got me. I was like, wow. I went to their website, and, it's all, and they're trying to present the biblical Jesus to people in, in a way. How many millions of people were exposed to Jesus through that? And of course, there was an outcry. Because we all know how expensive a Super Bowl commercial must be, right? Millions and millions of dollars. You know what the outcry of people was? Could have helped the poor. They could have not shown that commercial. They could have saved the millions of dollars, and they could have helped the poor. I want to remind you of who said that. Judas, who betrayed our Lord, he said that. He said that. A selfish attitude. Anytime someone does something expensive for Jesus, the outcry is the same. Why wasn't this given to the poor? We say this when we see extravagance. And what Mary did with Jesus that day, it was just that. It was extravagant generosity. And it was criticized. Really, we, really, we think this when we see the perceived extravagance of somebody else. And I would say that this is, this is what perceived extravagance is. I would say that perceived extravagance is the one who has more than you. Is, 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 is the one that does more than you, that has more than you. The extravagance is, is, is that someone else has more than you. You say, that's extravagant. And there's a tendency in all of us that wants to point to someone else 
so we don't have to deal with ourselves. That person needs to be generous because they have more than me. You see, giving exposes the heart, whether it's generous or it's selfish. I heard this story once where two pastors were driving down the road. And the one pastor in the passenger seat, he, 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 he looks up and he sees this mansion up on a hill. Huge house, beautiful property, immaculate lawn, gardens, a pool in the backyard, a pond out front with a dock, and, uh, and there was one of those wraparound driveways with a fountain in the middle of the driveway. The whole property was fenced in and, and like, like gated, and it was, I mean, just beautiful. And the passenger, the, the passenger pastor, he looks up at this mansion and says, wow, would you look at that house? The other pastor responds, actually, yeah, uh, he is a member of our church, and he is very generous. To which the other pastor says, well, he should sell that house and give it to the poor. <laughs> to which the driver pastor said, you don't care about the poor. Remember the scripture. Judas said, we could have sold that and given it to the poor, but Judas didn't care about the poor. That's what the scripture said. The pastor looked at the other and said, you don't care about the poor. Because if you did, you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. You see, perceived extravagance. It's easier to point to someone else that, that, that you perceive has more than you and say, they should do more. They should do more. You see, it exposes the heart. But the question today is not, are they generous? The question today is, am I generous? So it's too easy to say someone else should be doing something I'm not doing. And I will say this, what, sometimes what people are doing is, what people are doing is always better than what I'm not doing. Does it make sense? Like, like, like what they're doing, no matter what they give, no matter the method of, of the way that someone else tr is trying to do outreach or, 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 or ministry, what they're doing is likely better than what I'm not doing. It's too easy to say this because we don't want to look within and really ask the question, am I generous? So Judas, Judas had the offering box. Who gave him it? Jesus did. Jesus even told the 12, he said, I've chosen you, but one of you is the devil. He knew. He gave him the offering box. He chose him. And Jesus didn't choose Judas to be the treasurer of the ministry to give him a chance to fail, but he did it to give him a chance to pass. You see, God will test you, not tempt you. And he'll test you in your finances. If, if, if uh, I don't think that there's anybody here today that when the offering bucket goes by, that you would reach your hand in there and take a little bit out. I, don't, I just don't think there's anybody here. Now, I, it, it's happened before. 
Um, but I just don't think that anybody at New Life, that this, that that would, that would none of us would do that. None of us would, would, would go back to the offering boxes in the back of the worship center at the back doors there, and no one would, would take a crowbar to it and be like, sweet, look what I found. I don't think anybody, any of us would do that. Um, although, I remember uh, when I was young, there was, this, there was this kid in our youth group, his name was Ryan Boyd, and uh, uh, I remember he used to make change in the offering, you know? I was like, bro, he's like breaking a 20 in there, you know? I'm like, just pass the bucket, dude. Like, um, I have seen that. I just don't think anybody would keep the money that actually belongs in the offering, and yet, we do all the time when we keep it in our bank account. I want to talk about the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. There are some very extravagant gifts that we see in the Bible. The first one that I'll tell you, the most extravagant gift ever given, is the gift of Jesus. That God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, there was something so, more, so, so, so much more expensive than all the money in the world, and that's the life you have. Like, if someone offered you a billion dollars but you had to die, I mean, you know you can't take it with you. Of course you're not going to take that deal. I'm, I'll, I'll be dead. It's because your life is worth more. God gave the most expensive gift. He gave his only son, Jesus. Uh, we, we also see uh, other very extravagant gifts in the Bible that David gave a very extravagant gift uh, he gave an extravagant gift of money to the temple. And in today's current uh, money exchange, what David gave would be worth $21 billion. And that's what he gave to the temple. Uh, we also see that, that there was a widow who gave two mites. Uh, two mites is like pennies or less in value but yet Jesus called that extravagant. Why? Because it's not, because it's about heart, a generous heart or a selfish heart. Uh, uh, Jesus said that this was extravagant because it's about attitude, not amount. So when, when we talk about the extravagance of generosity, I want you to remember, it's about attitude, not amount. Uh, um, it, it, uh, Mary, when she poured this perfume out on Jesus' feet, it was 300 denarii, um, which is a, a year's wage. This would be extravagant to just pour out on someone's feet. <laughs> but that's what Mary did. When I was in, uh, a senior in high school, uh, I, I lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, and we went to a church there in, uh, in, ben in uh, Rogers, Arkansas, just south of Bentonville. And the church was, uh, had a campaign, uh, they were fundraising, they were raising uh, some camp, they did a, I don't know what they called it, like a financial campaign. But they're doing a campaign to raise money for the church. And uh, uh, many people were giving large, large amounts of money. And the church would announce that, like, like, oh, last week somebody wrote a check for $750,000. And there, there's a lot of wealthy people in this particular church. I mean, um, from what I understand, I think J.B. Hunt went to the church and, like, like the, the CEO of Kraft Mac and Cheese or whatever. He, you know, like, because Walmart was there, like, they, they had all these big wigs. But anyway, there's a lot of money there. But, but 
The pastor told this incredibly moving story that I've never forgotten. There was a widow in the church, and she did not have much, but she was moving from Arkansas up north to Missouri and would not be attending church there anymore. But, but, but when the pastor asked the church to prayerfully hear from God about what God would ask them to give in this, in this campaign, the Lord spoke to the widow who did not have much at all. And she came to the pastor of the church after service. She said, Pastor, I prayed about what I can give in this special offering. And she said, and all I have is this ring. Because she was widowed. This is all I have. And it was just this kind of tarnished old wedding ring. It's value, probably not much. And she said, this is all I have. And the pastor really, I mean, if you, I mean, what would you do? What would you do? This lady has nothing, and this is her wedding ring from uh, her husband who had passed away. And so the pastor re- kind of reluctantly accepted it. And he said, Lord, what am I to do with this? Because the pastor realized that was an extravagant gift. Because it's not about amount. What's it about? It's about attitude. And so the pastor prayed and said, Lord, what should I do with this? The next Sunday, the pastor went up on stage. He told the story. The widow had moved that week because she said, I'm moving this week. She had moved. He told the story. He held up the ring. He told the story. He said, I'm wondering if if somebody would be willing to buy this ring for $1,000. And after the service, sure enough, a man came up. He gave the pastor $1,000. He said, I'll buy that ring for $1,000. The pastor gives him the ring. He says, no, keep the ring, but keep telling the story. So the pastor told the story. A widow, this, this is all she had. She gave this ring. A man bought this ring for $1,000, but gave it back to me and said, keep telling the story. So he said, so who wants to buy the ring? After service, a man came up to him and said, pastor, I'm so moved. Here's a $10,000 check. Keep telling the story. Keep the ring. This would happen over and over and over. I witnessed this happen. Over and over again, this would happen to the point where that single ring raised over a million dollars for the kingdom of God. A million dollars. So when it's all said and done, they, they went up to Missouri and, and they found the widow and they found the apartment that she moved into. They found that her apartment was completely unfurnished. She, she literally had given all she had. And so the church furnished her entire apartment and, uh, and just, just blessed her. But that's not why she gave. She didn't even know what was going on back in Arkansas when she gave the ring. And you don't know that what you give, how God will multiply it. No matter the amount, it's the attitude. How would I have known that even before I was born, there was a group of people that came together, gave sacrificially in offerings to start this church 22 years before my birth? And how did I know that years and years later, a legacy of New Life Church would be, would be established because people gave generously and we don't even know that when we give generously the kind of impact 
our church will make even if we never see it in our lifetime. I fully believe that because of the generosity of New Life Church, our over and above giving to kingdom builders, that when we walk in through the gates of heaven someday, we're going to meet people from all around the world to say, thank you for getting Jesus to me. And we'll say, how did we do that? Because you gave generously. And because of that, a missionary came to my town and told me about Jesus. We don't even know the power of extravagant generosity. So there are extravagant gifts. But could you ever give a gift that would actually impress God? You know, have you ever heard about the man that he, he, he packed bars of gold in his carry-on bag on his way to heaven? He was really impressed with himself. He packed his carry-on full of gold bars. He shows up in heaven with his carry-on in tow. And an angel of the Lord says, that looks kind of heavy. What do you got in there? He said, gold. He goes, oh, you brought asphalt. Because the roads of heaven are paved with gold. The gates to heaven are made of pearl. Precious stones are all over heaven because God has that much money. Well, he just has it laying around. It's just what he has. There is no gift that would, there is no amount that will impress God. But did you know there is a gift that you can give that will impress God? I'll show it to you. 2 Corinthians 8.5, this is what it says. They gave themselves first to the Lord. The greatest gift that you can give that gets God's attention is when you give yourself first. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I made the commitment, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. And when I got into the baptism, well, it wasn't a tank back then. It was Wolf Creek in Grove City, Pennsylvania. When I crawled down into that creek at 10 years old and I shouted out to the church standing on the road bridge above, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I plan to serve him all of my life. And they dipped me in that brown water. I said, Lord, I give you my life. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And you may say, I don't have much. Give yourself. And watch what God will do with your life. Because again, it's not the amount. It's the attitude. It's the attitude. Some will give generously out of abundance. Some give generously out of sacrifice. But the, difference, the, what the differential is whether it's generous or whether it's selfish. Those are the hearts of giving. The scripture says that God rejoices over you. Again, the greatest gift you can give God is when you give him your life. The scripture says God rejoices over you. And the word rejoice, this is what it literally means, is that God jumps up and down twirling around when he thinks about you. That's what it means to rejoice. To jump up and down and twirl around, I would show you, but I would, don't want to. I don't want to. That is how, that's how crazy God is about you. So when you give him your life, 
impresses him the most. It makes him rejoice to jump up and down and twirl around. Because if God has your heart, he also has our money. For where your heart is, there your money will be also, your treasure. There are three levels of giving in the Bible. Uh, There is tithe, offerings, and extravagant offerings. There's the tithe, the offerings, and extravagant offerings. Most Christians don't even get to level one, which is the tithe. The 10% of, of our giving, I believe, is the training wheels of generosity. And studies show that only 5 to 7% of followers of Jesus give a full tithe of their income. 5 to 7%. And, um, and I just wonder, and I don't even know if that's accurate of New Life Church. My suspicion is that 5 to 7% would be extremely low of our church. I feel like our church is very generous. But worldwide, 5 to 7% give a, a, a full 10%. And I just wonder, what could happen? What kind of multiplication of life change could happen if followers of Jesus gave up their selfishness to be generous? And I also wonder just how blessed the people of God would be if their money were were redeemed by the tithe. So the extravagance of generosity, the enemy of generosity. The third thing I want to talk about is the reward of generosity. There is a reward. Remember Mary? She poured out this this year's worth of money of perfume on the feet of Jesus. Watch what Jesus says in Mark 14. He says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And her reward is that her story will always be talked about with Jesus' story. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Like, I mean, I, man, if my name were up there with Jesus, that'd be pretty cool. But the thing is, she didn't want, that's not what she asked for. She actually asked for nothing in return. She was rewarded, a memorial to her wherever the gospel is preached. And why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? Why, why would anybody give such an extravagant gift? Well, if you remember, two months prior to this event, her brother Lazarus, Jesus raised from the dead. Generosity comes from gratitude. If one of your family members was raised from the dead, would that change how you give to God? We've all, many of us have all lost a loved one and missed them dearly. But if God were to raise them, from, would that affect your gratitude? Would that affect your generosity? But I want you to remember something. All of you, all of us that believe in Jesus, all of us have been raised from the dead. This is what Ephesians says. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And then he made us alive in Christ. And we celebrate this with water baptism. 
We are buried with Christ in baptism and then raised to walk in a brand new life. Jesus has resurrected your life, my life, my family's lives. Those that put their trust in Jesus have been resurrected. Because when God found me, I was dead, dead. And he gave me life. I'll gladly give to him. And I started by saying, I give you my life. And then it's even easier to write him a check. God is the rewarder. Mary didn't come to be rewarded, but God always rewards generously. And here is what generosity really is. Generosity is giving and expecting nothing in return. And that's what Mary did. She gave. She didn't expect, but she gave. But selfishness is giving and thinking you're owed something. Oh, God, did you see, did you see what I just gave? I just kind of think you owe me. So there will be a day when I'm going to need something, and I just want you to remember that I gave extravagantly in the offering. So would you remember me? Because you kind of owe me now. And again, what could you give that would ever impress God? Except your life. Hebrews 11:6 6, 6 says, He's the rewarder. God is the rewarder. He rewards attitude. He does not reward amount. The amount we give and are over and above generosity is always connected to obedience. God, what would you give? One of the questions that I was taught to ask when, when, when I, sometimes even if I were to receive money or, or if, I, if I have an amount of money, is I ask the question, is this seed or is this fruit? Because if it's fruit and you don't eat it, it rots. And if it's seed and you don't plant it, it won't grow. And sometimes the Lord says, that's fruit. And then I take my wife out and we eat a nice dinner and we enjoy it. And sometimes the Lord says, Devin, that is seed. And then I sow it. Is it seed or is it fruit? If it's fruit, you better eat it because it'll rot. But if it's seed, if it's seed, you better sow it because it will grow. God always rewards the attitude, not the amount. So the question today was, am I generous? So let me ask you, are you generous? Are you generous? God truly is the rewarder. He truly is. Imagine for a moment that uh, when you left, when you're, when you're picking up your stuff and you're leaving this morning and you find that somebody dropped their wallet. And you find their wallet and you look inside and there's, there's $50 cash in their wallet. And you, and you find, oh, you see their driver's license, you recognize who they are, you go and you find them in the parking lot and you say, sir, I found your wallet. And he reaches inside and he sees that there was $50 still in his wallet. Not expect anything in return, he said, oh, I'm so glad I caught you up in the parking lot. He says, hey, hold on a second. Thank you for your honesty. And he doesn't reach into the wallet to give you the $50 bill. He reaches in his pocket and he gives you $5,000. Why, why? You're like, why? Why? 
Well, this, is, this is, just illustrates God is the rewarder because he doesn't reward amount, $50. He rewards attitude, which is honesty, integrity, generosity. Are you generous? Are you generous? So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this? You know, I was, I was asking the Lord, what should we do? I felt like the Lord's like, well, you should respond in a generous way. After we got done with this whole series, he's like, you should respond in a generous way. And I'm like, Lord, these people are going to be sick of me talking about money. After six weeks, I cannot ask for anything. And he's like, but, but the Lord just impressed my heart. But what did, you, what did you just teach? We don't ask for money. We ask God what we should do, and then we do what God says. I'm like, yeah, you're right, Lord, but I don't want to be that pastor. And so I made, I made a deal with the Lord. I said, Lord, if we're going to be generous in our response to this, this message series, we're not going to keep a single dollar of it. We're going to give it away. And I felt like the Lord was like, okay with this. And so I want our response to be simply this. And, and again, the amount of what you feel led to give or not give, is, is not of my concern. But I want to be generous as a church in a way that we can't expect anything in return. And my heart moved to February 6th of this month. A devastating 7.8 earthquake hit the region of Turkey and Syria. The death toll the last time I checked has reached over 46,000 people. Which is most of Kokomo. Most of our city's population. We're about 55,000. They've so far, 46,000 people have perished in this devastating earthquake. And I think if we're going to be generous, and if generosity is not to expect anything in return, I say we help. I want to show you a real quick video with one of our missions partners that is boots on the ground in Syria right now. Let's check this out. More than 40,000 people have lost their lives in Turkey and Syria after massive earthquakes shook the region last week. More than 105,000 people are injured. Those staggering, heartbreaking numbers make this the deadliest disaster in Turkey's modern history. Convoy of Hope is responding in both Turkey and Syria to deliver vital, life-saving aid to survivors. Shipments of food, water, and other essentials are being sent to the impact zone, and convoy teams are in Turkey to assist with distributions. Clothing, tents, sleeping bags, diapers, and baby formula, all in high demand, are being distributed in communities throughout the region. Fuel is a major concern. Thanks to the support of churches like yours, Convoy of Hope responded right away to the humanitarian tragedy in Turkey and Syria. Thank you for providing hope in a situation where it is in desperately short supply. So I just want us to just ask the Lord, am I generous? What, what should I give? Should I give whatever amount I was going to spend to eat lunch today out, and I'll go eat at home, but I'll, I'll give that. And, and, and here, here's how you can simply respond. Convoy Hope is part of our, is part of our kingdom builder's vision. 
And so for the next week, I want you to take, I want you to take a week to pray about this. What God would have you give, I don't need to know, but how I want you to respond is simply to give to kingdom builders. You can give online, you can take an envelope. If you're sitting here today and you're like, God has spoken to me, I know what I should give. Um, there's a QR code on the envelope and it takes you to our online giving, you can give right now. You can take the envelope with you, pray about it and bring it back next week. But between today and next Sunday, anything given to kingdom builders is gonna go here. It's gonna go to help the victims in Turkey and Syria. So would you stand with me this morning? Holy Spirit, thank you for moving on our hearts. Lord, thank you for teaching us generosity. And Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Are we generous? It's not about amount, it's about attitude. Have I, do I have the disposition of generosity? If not, Lord, I pray that you would teach me how to be generous, no matter how painful it may be. And Lord, we pray for the victims of this earthquake. Any amount we happen to give, I pray that somehow, God, you'd multiply it in helping bring rescue and shelter to those in need. In Jesus' name. Let's sing one last song together.